I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity, auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection Podcast. We're here again with more of our API geek friends. As also often, Adam Duvander is doing the co-hosting for us today. I think you've already heard about him a bit, but we'll ask him for a quick recap. And then our esteemed guest, Arnaud Laurent, better known as API Handyman in some circles. And uh, I guess, Adam, give us your quick spiel, uh, which hopefully we've all heard before, just so we know who you are. And then Arnaud can introduce himself. Yeah, yeah. I work with API companies to help them reach more developers, engage with their API. And I'm excited to hear from Arnaud today because I know he helps make great APIs for those developers. So welcome. Yeah, so Arnaud, tell us a little bit about your day job, what you're into, kind of what's your story in the API thing here? Yeah, so as you said, I'm the API handyman, but that's my job at night. Uh, <laughs> my daily job is, uh, so I'm working for a, a French banking group called Natixis. Uh, they do uh, corporate bankings, insurance, payments, many different things. Actually, they are selling banking services. And so um, I have to work with many different teams, many different people to help them uh, understand and uh, create APIs. So I can talk to, obviously, developers, but also business analysts, product owners, executives, and I try to help all those people do the right APIs the right way, but not uh, by actually telling them how to do that. I want to teach them how to do that. So I don't want to bring them fish every day. I want them to learn to fish themselves and so I can work with others. Yeah, it's funny. Um, the G word, as we call it, right? The how do you yeah. govern things? And uh, <laughs> I always think like, I tell people like, what if you could be king for a day? What kind of king would you be, right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> help people, enable people, don't be the gatekeeper. I think that's always like a valuable lesson. And I think I've always appreciated that you have that perspective on things and seems to have made you pretty successful. I think some of this, though, like people get the vibe that you just go around and talk with people. and But there's an operational side to getting this stuff set up and scalable. So like how big of a group are you working with here? Like I don't know a lot about Natixis and how big it is. Actually, I think there are 16,000 employees. Wow. So it's really a huge group. And this group is actually a part of a bigger group called BPCE, BPC. And so there are many people. Actually, I'm working with probably at least a dozen of different teams. The last two years, I've done probably around 150 API design reviews. And this year, we are only in September, and I already have done 160 API design reviews. Wow. So there are two or three teams that are actually doing a lot of API stuff and so on. But I have to work with many different people, many different businesses, business domains that I actually don't know. And so that's why I cannot do things myself. I'm just here to help people do the things. So it's pretty challenging to... I was alone until recently. I have a new colleague now, so we are two. But the plan is really to enable people. So after working on the reviews, now we are working on more training. And after that, we'll do self-service training. We are building tools. But yeah, so it's really cool because I've seen so many different things, many different use cases that I have learned a lot 
and I'm still learning every day. That's a person of one for 16,000 employees. It'd be hard not to learn, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think there are 10% of people working in the IT, and so I have not to work with all of people yeah. on Netflix. But I still a lot of people. So some of the stuff that you talk about really resonates, certainly for us at Stoplight, and I think just for me in general, even not, you know, before I was working at Stoplight, is you talk a lot about design first and kind of all that goes into that certainly resonates with us. But I'm particularly interested in this sort of API style book, this collection of style guides that you've done. And for me, like, when I look at how do you scale up an API program what are the things that apply in all those different business domains? Like, that's just a great starting point. There's certainly other factors. But I'm curious, you've been, how long have you been running that Stylebook site now? I've started it, I think it was probably three, three years or four years ago. I, to be honest, I, I have not updated it since I started to work on my book. So maybe it has not been updated two years ago. I started to work on it now. I have probably five to 10 guidelines to add. I need to rework the whole thing because it's really uh, awful to maintain. But yeah, it started a long time ago. And actually the idea was, I was trying to build guidelines myself. And uh, I found a few ones. I started to read them. And it was complicated because, oh, I wanted to know. So how do people manage reading something, deleting something and constructing paths? Because at that time I was really uh, focusing on just the form of APIs. But I discovered reading those guidelines that some of them contains information about more organizational concerns, the G word, <laughs> governance, and sometimes also some little guidance about how to analyze what the domain you want to turn into APIs. And so it really enlightened me because I realized that API design is not only about just choosing, will I do a get slash customers or a get slash customer without an S? And it's funny because when I start to work with a new team, with new people who don't know me for API design review, they came to me saying, okay, it seems that we are supposed to talk to you to uh, be able to deploy uh, our API on the API gateway. They know I'm not here to do that. And it seems that you should validate our API design. So you see, we have done get slash this and post slash that. So no, no, this is not what we are talking about here. I'm here to help you create the best possible APIs. And it's not only about get slash this and post slash that. That really helped me. And I hope that it actually helped over. But I really need to rework it because there are new guidelines that have been published by many different organization, especially governments, and they are very interesting thing to, to share. But I need to make the whole stuff more automated because I do that with totally ugly YAML files, reading the documents myself, copy-pasting it. It takes hours to put a guideline on the website. Well, and it sounds like when you started that process, you needed to sort of go deep into that to be able to figure out what you were going to put into yeah. your own. yeah. What were some of the things you pulled out from all of the guidelines you found available that you then included in, in the guidelines that you share with the teams you work with? Things like very technical things, such about how to explain why you should use get, post, or whatever. So very basic things. Uh, but also things about more organization, who should be there to do reviews, and so on. But 
for me, it was really only the beginning. Afterwards, I really learned a lot by actually practicing doing API design reviews. And I also take advantage of what I learned by listening to people talking about API documentation. Because there is a parallel between typical API documentation and typical API guidelines, especially when it comes to the, the form of things. In your guidelines and in your API documentation, you will have some kind of the reference documentation, the ingredients. Yeah. For the API, it would be, okay, we have a get slash this and a post slash that. Okay, that's ingredients. For the guidelines, it's, okay, the paths are structured that way. We use these HTTP codes in post situation and so on, ingredients. And afterwards, if you just provide that to people, they can't do anything with that especially people who are actually beginning, people who are not familiar with the HTTP protocol, people who are not developers. I work with API designers who are not developers. There are business attorneys sometimes. And so I decided to add in my guidelines the uh, kind of use case documentation. Okay, these are all your endpoints. And this you can use this one and this one and this one that way in that order uh, to do that. That is a use case documentation. And I added that in my guidelines. And I always say to people, don't look into the, the rules. Don't care about that. Just look at the recipes. You want to create something. You want to list something. You want to start something. Whatever you want to do, the recipe explaining you everything. Yeah, so I think you're talking about kind of guides and documentation. But walk me back through, how do you see that parallel to the way that, that style guides are defined? Actually, no. If my memory is correct, in the guidelines that I have seen in the API stylebook, most of them are focusing on rules. Yeah. Uh, for example, I remember that there is the, uh, the Zalando style guides. There are hundreds of rules. At least it was that way the last time I've seen it. And every rule is quite clear. But I wonder actually how people use them yeah. because there are many rules. I see what you're saying. And in a specific use case, what do you have to do? You have to know all the rules and be sure of the ones you actually have to apply. That's a little bit complicated. So there are, I have to check again for new guidelines, but I have not, actually not seen guidelines focusing on typical API use case because even if it's actually bad to say that REST API or API are actually crude APIs, but actually, if you look at all APIs, all of they all use the same kind of operations. You read an element, you search for elements, you are creating elements, you are updating elements, whatever you do, simple things or complex things, they will be put into an API using those typical operations. So if you provide the recipes to handle those typical operations, aggregating all the rules that applies, people will have a much easier time to when designing them. Yeah, I think this matches up with guidance I might give folks on this stuff sometimes is like, for the predictable rules, the things like, is it spine case or is it camel case? How many path components are allowed? How do you do paging across most things, right? Stuff that's predictable and automatable, do it and have that stuff strongly defined so that you can spend most of your time talking about what does this do yeah. And more importantly, what's the flow? Yeah. So if you have, I'll take like a PayPal example that a lot of people are familiar with that I worked on a lot is you can't make a payment with one call, right? Mm -hmm. you, you have to get an authorization and then you go through this disconnected third party weird OAuthy flow 
and then you actually complete the transaction. So there is inherent flow across those APIs. Yeah. And there's no style guide for how to do that, right? That's kind of no. the substance of it and where you want to spend your energy on. Mm. But I, I wanted to, to key in a little bit. You were saying like, you know, some places have these really detailed rules, right? Like the rule sets for sort of governing style are very precise. And it can be like tedious to process and apply that. And more importantly, to like teach it and have folks to your, in your words, be able to fish for themselves. So like, how have you seen that dealt with to make it scale better and kind of provide consistency? Regarding consistency or to size? Well, just like, let's call it the, how do you put a style guide into operations in your opinion? But there are two sides. There are, there is what you can automate because if people are not using communiques, not using the correct path structures and whatever, you can automate all of that. You can also partially automate questions. Actually, I'm using Spectral sometimes. Just I'm creating rules just to warn me, oh, there is something here that should be discussed with the API team. Meaning sort of the infos versus the errors. Yes, I'm using at, actually uh, error is an actual error. You have to fix it. Warning is maybe an error. And there is info and hint. Uh, I use them both. Yeah. And I guess for listeners here, before you get too far, Spectral that Arnaud's yeah. referring to. And yeah. by the way, I didn't bait him on this. It's <laughs> yeah. the, one, of, one of Stoplight's open source projects to do sort of linting of these rules and basically automate some of the style guide governance stuff. And afterwards, it's actually teaching people to understand the concerns regarding consistency. Because at the beginning, most people actually don't care about it or are not aware of it. Until you block and, their deploy. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's really a long run work. You have to do reviews after reviews. And slowly but surely, people get it. And people are getting better at it once you have shown them the actual problem. The typical example is, okay, I'm searching for bank accounts or customers or whatever. I can filters, use filters on this research, on names, or and most of the time, the first, when I meet people for the first time, they do this mistake. They are adding such filters that do not match the data returned. For example, you are looking for customers. They say, oh, we want to, uh, to filter on gender, whatever. There is no gender in the data, or gender is named with another name and say, hey, this is inconsistent. People should be able to think, okay, I know that a customer are all these properties, so maybe I can use all of them or some of them as query parameters without reading the documentation. And by just showing them, by example, using their own design, after a few reviews, people actually get it. And I think that afterwards, you cannot remember everything. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think I have a very good memory because I'm working with very different teams and for a long time. So sometimes I know their APIs better than the actual owner. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to say them, okay, I remember that you already designed this data structure in another API. So you better check that in the new API, you are actually maybe not using the exact same structure, but keep the spirit of it. And doing that requires to really know all of your APIs. And I'm planning to work on a tool that will ease that job, especially during design, because sometimes as a designer, you wonder, okay, I'm working on that domain. I want to add a new property in that 
schema or creating a schema, but does it already exist somewhere in my API surface? And there is no tool actually that provides that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I basically use a very dumb, simple search across all the open API files I have, and it does the trick, but I want to provide something more user-friendly to people. So that's it with automation, practice, and having the eye of a designer and tools that allow you to search through all of your APIs, descriptions, data models, and so on. I think that this will help you to uh, ensure a certain level of consistency, but people should be aware that they will do mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever they do, they will do mistakes. So with reviews, you will maybe avoid them, but sometimes you will have to live with them. Well, there's always compromise too. Yeah. And if we could go back to the the automated piece, yeah. where you said that they kind of learn what those consistency rules are, who are the people who are who are using those automated search? Is that at the engineering level? Is that still at the business user level who is attempting to design the API? So, are you talking about the automated controls or the search? Uh, the or first what? one, yeah. The okay, controls. the controls, the, yeah. So actually, I started to promote, and again, as Susan said, I'm not paid by Stoplight, but I'm just using Verso because they are actually good. Uh, so I'm promoting the use of the uh, Stoplight Studio because before that, okay. people who are business analysts were trying to actually write open API specification, and it was really a burden for them. And there is no need for that because there is graphical user interface that avoid them doing that, actually. And in Studio, they can use our spectral rules. So you can connect yeah. Studio to spectral rules. And so they can check uh, their, that their design is actually conforming to our guideline. But I have to be honest, sometimes, maybe more often than not, people actually don't use the rules, don't use spectral. So... No, in the, in the training session that I'm building, I'm showing people how to actually do that. But sometimes they are not using it. That's why we need still need the review process so they can understand that they can, yeah. can gain time or whatever. But it's really a long run task. Yeah, because you, you have to change habits. You have to make people use tools. Maybe they are not used to. So it's not that easy. It's not magic. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like the spectral output, regardless of whether they used it. So if they used it up front, probably the errors are going to go away. Yeah. But there's still, regardless of whether there's errors there or not, yeah. there's stuff within that that is going to yeah. promote a conversation with you. Yeah, that- exactly. Because I remember a few weeks ago, a review with a team who actually is using the tools. So I say, okay, we tried the designers. I tried to get rid of all errors. Mm-hmm. Most of the errors are fixed, but there are still a few things to fix. But most of the time we spent together, we were discussing on things that uh, Spectral was unable to detect because no tool on earth could detect them because it was more business concerns. Yeah, domain subject matter stuff, yeah. Yes, exactly. What do you want to do with your APIs and how you want to do it and what are the rules of your domain? Why do you name this like that? What does that word mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I say that every day. I ask stupid question every day. Yeah, if you want to be a good API design reviewer, 
you must not be afraid to ask stupid questions. Absolutely. It's really for the better. Yep. So I wanted to kind of capture here, you ticked off a couple of things in here that I feel like we're establishing as table stakes in your world to make this kind of style of conformance and like good design work. One is you were touching on kind of discoverability is what I would call it. It's like, do you have a place that you can search across all the APIs, look across all of them in one place? You got to have that. Otherwise, these patternistic things are undetectable. So I think that's one. You mentioned kind of open API certainly being a prevalent format. There's certainly others out there. I mean, you've got like gRPC and protobuf stuff and async API for events. And there's certainly a variety of these, but that people learning how the spec works shouldn't be a thing and find a tool to do that for you. Yeah, exactly. And then I think in essence, what we were kind of circling around is that using automation for your style guide to produce some kind of conformance understanding makes space to have discussion about what the thing does and what it is, which, by the way, I think you're our, I don't know, 14th guest or something, has been in every conversation. And it's so obvious, and it's so simple, and it seems pedantic to say it. But I think for you know folks like us who've sat with developers, who've built up some API and you go, what does this thing do? And they can't answer it. It's stunning how often that's true. <laughs> I guess any other thoughts? So we got discoverability, kind of ease of editing, some form of automated conformance to your basic conventions, and then having conversations about the functional view of it all. Is there anything else when you think about our our G word friend Ah. that we're missing? Oh, yes. It's about how to envision governance from a human perspective, Mm. globally and more specifically during API design review. If we just look at API design review, actually, there are two ways of doing an API design review. Being an asshole, (laughs) just doing the police, yelling at people that their API is shit, they are not not respecting the rules, they are actually breaking the law, they will go in jail or whatever. (laughs) That's the one you do. (laughs) Making them scary. (laughs) It depends on uh, who I'm talking for. Yeah, that's actually what I try not to do. So the other way is actually showing empathy to others and not take the API design review as a way to do control, to control things, to make sure that people do actually their job, but to be um, a helpful hand. An API design review, when I meet people for the first time, I explain what is an API design review for me and in my company, and I tell them that I am here to help you. I am not here to tell you that what you do is wrong. I am not here to tell you how to do your API. I will explain you design principles based on what you show me. I will give you various propositions about how your design can be modified, fixed, and you will tell me what is your context, and together we will discuss And in the end, you will decide based on what you have realized about your context and what you have discovered about design in general. But in the end, you make the decision. I'm not here to do that in your place. And that actually works very well. The other one actually does not work. And that stance 
being the uh, evil empire of API design, can actually kill your company. Because if you do that, people will not learn. Their second, on their second review, they will say, okay, I don't know how to do this. Do it for me. I'm just a small product owner. I'm just a small business analyst. I have to deliver my project in two weeks. So uh, please uh, do that so we can go quickly and I leave the keyboard to you. So people don't learn anything. People are frightened and people don't like you. For some people, it's not a problem, but it's really not a good environment for people. And really being trying to teach people to help them, to let them do maybe sometimes mistakes, surprisingly, they come back and they tell everyone, okay, it's really cool to work with this team and they help us. And, and so I'm really happy to have really good feedback because of that and not because I succeed to with a very strong hand to uh, break arms and make people do API fanatics this way. Well said, yeah. And uh, I think along the lines of thinking that engineering teams tend to lack design thinking, empathy is always rule one, right? Again, we've heard it before on here from other folks that do it. And uh, I think within that kind of this enablement model of like, you know, we're here to make you look cool and make you look consistent Uh with everyone else. That works. I agree. Yeah. And what I really love is that a few months ago, a developer who have been working with me told me, okay, I was not aware about API design and so on and so on. And now I'm using the API design principles in my code. I'm trying to think about, okay, why I'm creating this function, how to name it, how to name parameters, how to... And because the API design you are preaching actually are principles that you can apply yeah. everywhere. Yeah, designing. We are talking about user experience, making things that are actually fulfilling, that are solutions to existing problems. Either you do API, either you are doing a mobile app, either you are creating a, a batch server application, whatever. It's all the same stuff. Yeah, I think like designing a system in general, that there is a design component to that that people yeah. often look at wrong. And it's like, so people, I'll take an easy to understand, a comprehensible system over a mm-hmm. high-performing one any day. Yeah. I can make a system perform. If I don't know yeah. what it does and we have to rewrite it, uh, then that was a huge waste of time. So, man, great stuff today, really. I think you uh, very succinctly punched through, I think, some of the fundamentals of governance. And it's funny that we've heard from so many people, like, start with the style guide, and it'll lead you to the rest. And that's exactly what you just walked us through. So, fantastic in line with what we've heard before. So I think that it serves as a perfect place for us to wrap up. So uh, just want to totally thank you for coming on. Really appreciate our node and uh, Adam for joining us yet again. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. All right. So thank you very much for having me and it was really a pleasure. And I look forward to hear the other people in the next episode. Yeah, and if you haven't uh, read it yet, make sure and go look for the design of web APIs. It's available in all kinds of cool languages with really cool covers that I geek out about. That's our notes book. There you go. If you're on video, Adam just held it up, as well as apistylebook.com, which uh, apparently, hopefully by the time this actually goes out, will be refreshed if uh, our notes been productive in the interim. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if I don't sleep, maybe. <laughs> nice. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question, and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.